0: Hey guys, on today's pod, me and Matt talk about where the Raptors stand now at the All-Star break and kind of give a look at what to expect from them the rest of the season. We talk about the Marc Gasol trade and what we've seen from Marc Gasol in the first four games he spent with the Toronto Raptors. We talk about Jeremy Lin, the acquisition, you know, to get a valuable backup point guard, especially with Fred Van Vliet's injury that becomes even more important for the Toronto Raptors. Then we kind of just give a general wrap-up of what we hope to see in the final games after the All-Star break and, and kind of what to watch for if the Raptors have a chance for the number one overall seed or what to look for from a standings perspective. Lastly, we have Teach Mike Canada, where Matt describes to me what the meaning of Family Day is. Gets it to DeRozan. DeRozan's fading. What a tough shot. And
1: it goes! DeRozan with plenty of time.
0: Five seconds. DeRozan on the drive and kick from the corner. Van
1: bleeps. Van good. A two. The Raptors lead with 1.1 1. 1 to play. Matt, how is it going? Mike, you know, we were just talking off air about the weather in Toronto and. You know, for all of us, for all of us, Kawhi watchers, um, it's not good here. He's he's he's, he's going to leave. He's, he doesn't have that Canada Goose sponsorship that's going to get him the warm jackets that he needs to be able to survive. So I'm worried on his based on the weather.
0: You know, they showed uh, a clip of Kawhi walking in the weather with just a sweatshirt on, and they said that he's struggling just to the weather. But I will argue for Kawhi, I'm someone who, you know, just kind of, despite the cold, will just wear a hoodie or something like that out of pure laziness. So (laughs) I do feel Kawhi on that level where rather than actually do something about the cold, I'll just complain about it as I don't dress properly.
1: Yeah, yeah. More more so what I was getting at is I was just laughing at all of the, you know, constant Kawhi watchers that, like, every single time there's a picture of him you know smiling it's he's staying and every single time he complains about the cold oh he's leaving and and uh, i don't know if you saw last night during the all-star game but when he was being introduced he like shook his head no and mumbled something under his under his breath and Twitter like blew up. People were like really concerned about what he was saying and whatever. And, um, and uh, it's just like, I I just find it funny that no matter what move he does, no matter what he says, even though like 20 minutes beforehand, he said, you know, I think we, I think we could go to the finals when someone was interviewing him. Like everybody's so worried about what he's going to do. It's, it's, it's very funny.
0: Yeah. And it's so silly because obviously what happens in the playoffs has such a large bearing on, his percentage of coming back, at least I would guess that it has such a large bearing that speculating about it now in February is so ridiculous, and, and I mean at least he's not screaming at our media members Kevin Durant style, but yeah, you're right. The the watch of Kevin or of Kawhi Leonard and every minute detail that happens is starting to get uh, pretty hilarious at this point.
1: And you know, I think it's one thing. One thing that I think is a testament to the Raptors, no matter what. Uh, happens with Kawhi is that look he's bought in for the season, right? Like he's he's obviously happy enough with the Raptors medical staff, with um, you know everything going on, the culture of the team, the fans to at least be bought in for the season, right? Like that's got to be that's got to be at least a testament to the Raptors' development as an organization from the old days when you know the players with a lot morning for example just wouldn't even show up right just because it was the raptors so i think that i think i think that's a testament to at least the the franchise is growing you know people are you know, players are looking at it as a more legitimate place to actually play and win. And uh, yeah, we made the Demar Derozan trade that looks a little bit bad on like, man, Masai Ujiri doesn't care about the players. But I mean, organizations got to do what an organizations got to do, and a players got to do what a players got to do, and and it's a delicate balance. But I mean, I still think it's a testament to the organization that he's playing right.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't I don't want to get bogged down on this too much. This, no, no. But sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're good. Uh, just kind of going to your point about the Demar thing. Yeah, I I think we saw with the Anthony Davis and how Boston's not on his list because of the Isaiah Thomas trade, and then this weekend, well, they actually might be on his list. You know, just make the right decisions for a basketball standpoint, and the players are going to go choose where areas are competitive. But we're not here to talk about Kawhi's upcoming free agency. We are Sorry. here to talk. No, we we're here to talk about the All Star weekend. Uh, kind of everything that happened, more importantly than that, we're going to talk about the Toronto Raptors' upcoming 20 or so games, the final stretch here before the season, what we can expect to see out of Gasol, Jeremy Lin, what we can expect to see from the team at large, and, you know, the final stretch here, what we expect to see on the basketball court. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess I'll just start with you, you know, what was your takeaways from All-Star Weekend, either Raptors or otherwise?
1: You know, I think, I think just in general, in terms of an All-Star Weekend, um, it, it, it was a little bit of a lesser exciting one. I mean, I mean, the most exciting dunk for me didn't even come in dunk contest. It came from a Steph Curry pass to uh, Giannis there. Um, the you, you know the highlights, uh, you know, in terms of Saturday night, the the just the theatrics seemed a little overdone. Like I still think that the modern standard for an NBA All Star Saturday night is the, is actually the Toronto one, um, the 2016. One. that was that was just fantastic um you know you know there, the the rising stars game was was okay i thought og did um a really uh, you, you know represented really well but that format could use a little bit of an overhaul too um just to just to kind of make it more exciting who knows maybe three on three i mean i don't know but um yeah i mean i mean, I mean in terms of me i think it was just kind of a, a, a kind of a meh all-star weekend overall um, the All-Star game was the All-Star game itself was fun um, but I thought Toronto was represented really well I thought that uh, you know Danny Green is a future media star and darling I mean he's I mean I mean he was everywhere this weekend and doing a doing a fantastic job for the, the you know for the he actually he actually um, Mike you might not know this but um, uh, one of our two competing sports networks is called TSN and uh, uh, one of their one of their um uh, top like personalities was what was that All Star Weekend and 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 she actually got bumped for Danny Green walking around and interviewing all of the uh, all of the players there. So 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 you know he was doing he was doing a good job with that sort of stuff as well. And for me, you know I thought the Raptors were represented really well. Obviously when you have a starter. Uh, on a team, it's it, it's great, right? And um, and uh, Lowry, you know, Lowry represented well. I thought Lowry was, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff, and we represented well. I just feel like it wasn't a very overall, very exciting, newsworthy sort of uh, event. Yeah, it
0: was pretty underwhelming. Um, yeah, the dunk contest wasn't very exciting to watch. John Collins take all that time to just kick a paper mache plane. Yeah, it was oh. pretty. Um, but it was okay, you know. The All-Star Weekend is what it is. If you're looking for some awesome experience, you might be disappointed by it. But we got to see a couple freak athletes do some freak athlete things, and that was exciting. The three-point contest, I thought, was fun. Uh, congratulations, Joe Harris. I thought Danny Green was going to make the finals. Yeah. But, you know, it would have been nice for him in Carolina. He won a national championship there, so he had a little bit of the home crowd behind him. It would have been nice to see. But, you know, in general, not – a huge takeaway. Kyle Lowry didn't perform great
1: during no, he the All-Star was on, game. He, he was on the floor during that huge run that Team LeBron made there.
0: Yeah, he, and you know, Kawhi, Kawhi did good, but I'm not yeah. overly concerned with the performances of the All-Star games. Like you said, Danny Green was a superstar off the court. He definitely is going to be on the jump as soon as he retires.
1: Yes, so. yeah he should be too yeah you, congratulations you. to him
0: and and og <laughs> performed well that 360 between the legs dunk was pretty nice even if he yeah. didn't finish it so yeah i want to uh,
1: see more i want to see more like i know i know it's the all-star game but you know two things two things that i really liked was you know og's a little bit of aggressiveness and showmanship um you know i just i i, I for for og i think on the floor too like during these last 20, 20 60, 25 games or whatever it is. Um, you know, I want to see a little bit more, like, just swagger and confidence from him because I think that that's a huge part of his game, and, and then he actually just plays a lot better as well, and uh, I really, I didn't really know that Kawhi had the 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 stop, the, the stop on a dime three-pointer in, in transition in his repertoire, but he nailed a few of those during the game as well, and I was like, oh, interesting. That would be awesome to see in an actual game or, or in a playoff game when we need a quick bucket.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but kind of just moving on from All-Star Weekend we yeah. have seen four games of Marcus Gasol only one game of Jeremy Lin so far what have been your biggest takeaways from what you've seen from them on the court right
1: now? Yeah, for me, I feel that Marc, the Marcus Gasol trade was absolutely 100% necessary I mean uh, this guy is, and, and, and of course having seen a ton of Marcus Gasol in the past, but you know, you know you, you're always you always you always really see his impact with the team that you watch and analyze all the time right you see a lot more back cuts you see a lot more of uh, of him being able to command the team from the high post and obviously he's su- or sorry from the high elbows there and he's such a great high elbow passer and, 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 and playmaker that he really he really extends his his faults right being a little bit slower. Then maybe your average big man today. And I think that that's what allows him to really stay on the floor and make great contributions, right? He's just, uh, you see the basketball IQ just dripping off of this guy. Um, for me, I think that it's, it's interesting that they're deciding to play him with the bench, at least for now. Um, I think it helps, uh, him learn the systems and learn, and, and learn all of those, uh, you know, nuances that the team has. Um, I mean, I mean, I think a Kawhi and, Kawhi or Kyle and Marc Gasol uh, pick and roll would be pretty deadly um, especially in the there's so, just so many combinations that he can do but I think that what you're seeing is you're seeing Marc Gasol getting a little bit more out of somebody like an OG and an OV or, or, or something or, or somebody like that, some people who are struggling Nolan Powell a little bit as well Yeah, um, he just he, he's just a smarter better passer He's just a better. He, he's just a better obviously a better all-around player than than, than JV, so I think for a team that was going into the stretch run and what we had to give up to be able to do it and is in a win now situation, I think it's I think it's great. And then of course for Marcus on himself, right? Like I see somebody re-energized a little bit, somebody ready to play and ready to win and knows that he has a really great chance to win again, and that hopefully revitalizes him to play his best over these last bit of games. And it's really great to also see somebody very excited to play in Toronto. So for me, I. You know, you, you know, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm just seeing new elements added to the team that they didn't have before, and especially for the bench unit that, you know, I might, I might play him with the bench unit a little bit, and maybe just keep them in that bench unit and keep that, the that starting unit rolling, and then obviously if Gasol is, you know, playing well, playing well in that particular game, just, just keep him in the game and just, you know.
0: Yeah, there, there's been some talk on Twitter. I see a lot that this idea that Gasol's passing is being wasted with the bench, and I don't understand why. Yeah. OG Ananobi's a good cutter. Norman Powell's a good cutter. Fred VanVleet's better off the ball. I think his passing, actually, is more useful with the bench unit than it is with the starters, because with the starters, he's just naturally going to hold the ball a little bit less than he does. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily agree with this sentiment that he's being wasted somewhat if on the bench, um, if I'm Nick Nurse, it will largely kind of be matchup dependent on who's starting. If we're playing the Boston Celtics, Serge has done a pretty good job against Al Horford throughout the year and kind of just throughout his career. Um, Mark Gasol is more a better post defender when we're facing you know, Joel Embiid. I would see that. And then Milwaukee, I could see it going either way. Both of those guys are pretty good pick-and-pop guys to attack there passive defense. Uh anyone who listens to this knows I'm not the biggest I wasn't the biggest JV fan. I I think he's a fine basketball player. I liked kind of what he brought off the court. He went to the bench without any complaints and you know, I think he was a very important player for Toronto in terms of helping them build this product. However, I questioned his ability to translate that game to the playoffs. And when you're talking about Marcus All, you've seen him do it in the playoffs a lot. You know, over throughout his career, he's a better defensive player, still at age 34 in my mind, than Jonas Valanciunas was. And offensively, he's just a more modern player in terms of spacing the floor and recording assists. From four games in, to me, the biggest thing that jumps off the screen is Marc Gasol's ability to pass and just what kind of impact that's made on the team. You know, I tweeted this out the other day. It's a small sample size. But Toronto ranked nineteenth in the NBA in passes prior to the Gasol trade. Uh, in the four games since the Gasol trade, they ranked second in the NBA. I perhaps it's too quick to draw that kind of line, but I just think that that number is pretty important when you talk about Mark Gasol and the kind of passer he is out of the high post.
1: Yeah, um, you know, you know, just to just to swing it back to what was one thing you said, which was that you know keeping him with the bench there, I. I love it because what were we complaining about with the bench unit before stagnant slow like too much one-on-one not enough movement and then bring in bring in a guy who's not even a point guard right not even not even a guard and is able to and is able to get all this movement uh, out of people I think is I think is really fantastic too and I mean you're right right like when you're just a when you're just a better basketball player, you just make better plays, right? And 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 I'm just seeing even off of screen rolls again, again in the small sample size. But you know Norman Powell getting getting to the basket easier, uh, you know, him him picking and popping like uh, you know I think I think over the long run too, his ability to shoot threes is another thing that is going to help stretch the floor in the long run for, for for the team in the playoffs, right? And and even though and, 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 and you know it's funny a lot of the Canadian media was saying, "Oh, well JV, he always showed up in the playoffs." It's like, "Yeah, he always showed up in the playoffs, but that's because the rest of the team was not even showing up at all, right?" <laughs> so, so um you know, it's nice. It's not. It, it, it's nice to have some uh, another proven playoff veteran from the Western Conference who's not going to be intimidated by, you know, uh, you know, the Boston Celtics or something like that because they play they played those tough and tough teams every single night. So I think uh, I think in terms of gets, it, if you couldn't get Anthony Davis, then getting Marcus All was probably the next best the next best available option.
0: Right, so I, I mean, to me, the way I look at it is, there's three matchups right now that matter for the Toronto Raptors. That's a Bucks, the a 76ers, and the Celtics. Right. Um, you know, perhaps Golden State as well. I think Marcus Gasol matches up even better against Golden State, but I'm not going to worry about them. To me, for now, the goal is more getting to the finals than it is to win it. Um, just considering, you know. The, the behemoth that faces you in the finals and kind of where this franchise is at right now. Um, so for, if we're talking against the 76ers, Mark Gasol's probably the best post-up defender in the NBA still. Mm-hmm. That's going to matter a lot versus Joel Embiid. He also spaces the floor and pulls Joel Embiid, who's a phenomenal rim protector, to the three-point line. I think you would be hard-pressed to find anyone that said Marc Gasol was not a better matchup versus the 76ers. Yeah, against... uh, yeah,
1: I agree. Okay. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say I agree as well, and I, and and I think and I think I would actually start Marcus All against the 76 Sixers in a playoff series.
0: Yeah, I think he will. I think he will too. Um, yeah. My next, uh, the next team is the Celtics. When you're talking about Jv, Jv wasn't able to stay on the floor at all versus Al Horford. He no. played two combined minutes against Al Horford so far this season in the team's matchups. Nurse was clearly scared to play uh, JV in that matchup just due to his defensive limitations. I'm not sure if Mark is the perfect matchup for Horford. He's probably still a little too slow. However, it's hard to argue that he's going to be less impactful than JV was versus Celtics. So to me, he's a better matchup versus Celtics as well. And then when you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, they're a team that plays a very deep drop in the pick and roll, which basically means as they run the screen up, Brooke Lopez stays at the hoop, kind of protecting the rim at all costs. Uh, and they give up some of the most threes in the NBA. So when you talk about Marcus all he's obviously a much better shooter than JV, and he provides another weapon in that matchup. So if JV, or if Marcus is the better matchup in the three kind of teams that matter, I'm not sure what it doesn't matter if JV is a better player against the other 27 teams. I'm really worried about these three teams, and you got Marcus all essentially for the price of Jonas Valanciunas, which is a huge win. Uh, with all due respect to DeLon, right, he, you know, he wasn't making the impact that Toronto needed, and I think it's very likely he would have been cut from the playoff rotation and, you know, C.J. Miles was already
1: cut, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor C.J. Miles. Although, however, he's doing quite good in Memphis. Yeah, I think... Um, you know i still think the team that it, it it's so funny the team that worries me the most still is the bucks um in in terms of my temperature of uh, of teams just because i mean they did add miraitich which is just another fantastic shooter around giannis and and, and still i think you know i I'm, I'm not sure on your thoughts on a strategy to beat the Bucs, but i mean is it is it you just let giannis get his but nobody else can get theirs like like like, 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 what do you think about that? Like,
0: You know, I this is something I've kind of toggled back and forth with. To me, what I think I would do is, and, you know, maybe he doesn't have the ability to do it all game, but at least in the parts that matter, I put Kawhi on Giannis, mm-hmm. and I basically stick to shooters. And I say, I'm, you know, I'm going to live with Giannis scoring 30, 35 points, and at some level I'm going to have to stop Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, et cetera. To me, that's how you stop the Milwaukee bucks. You let Giannis kind of rampage through the paint and hopefully with Kawhi, it will limit it somewhat, but at some level you can't continue to just harass Giannis at the rim because he's finishing over you anyways. And that allows him to kick out and get everybody else involved.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I I, I think I would be doing the same exact thing. Um, do you think that Gasol can be a presence against a Brooke Lopez? Because I think that their, you know, their speed matches up a little bit to be able to allow them to do that, right?
0: Yeah, you know, you lose some of Gasol's ability at the rim when he's hanging out with uh, Brooke Lopez out at the three-point line. But it's interesting. I, I think what you might see a little bit, and this is something that Utah toyed with, was when is in the game, you might see Pascal Siakam on Brook Lopez and Ibaka on Giannis. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that I wouldn't be shocked if I saw, and it's going to be interesting. I, I could see them trying to put Pascal Siakam on Brook Lopez in order to just keep him kind of at the perimeter and allow Ibaka and Gasol to stay at the rim as much as possible. But I don't know. It's To me, Milwaukee is the toughest matchup. It's funny. Um, these teams all kind of match up with each other better than one another. They all kind of have different, like a rock paper scissors match between teams where one team seems to own another team. The Philadelphia 76ers to me just have too much talent for the box as far as four guys and different people that they can throw on Giannis and everything like that. But at the same time, I think the Toronto Raptors are pretty, pretty well equipped to handle the 76ers. It's, kind of like a game of rock, paper, scissor, where I really think it's going to depend on matchup who kind of comes out of the East.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I mean, you never know, too, right? Like, seeding could have a little bit to do with it as well.
0: Well, and that's something I kind of wanted to talk about, and we can, I guess, jump into it right now. If you're a Toronto Raptor fan, you should be watching the Indiana Pacers scoreboard yes. every single night. If they can somehow hold on <laughs> to the three seed, and they're two games up right now, and they're playing well, so it's it's possible if they can hold on to the three seed, that works out beautifully for Toronto. Toronto will be the two seed. Indiana's the three seed. That puts Boston, Philly, and Milwaukee all on the same side of the bracket. and You only have to face one of them.
1: I actually think I actually think the Pacers are only one game up. I'm looking at the standings right now. It's,
0: oh wow! Y- yeah, no, yeah. they're one. I'm sorry, they're one game up in the standings. However, they're two up in the loss column.
1: So, oh, okay, yes, yes, yes. Okay. To me,
0: when it's these good teams, I kind of watch the lost column more than the overall games back.
1: Right, so, yeah. So yeah, they're
0: two games up in the lost column. Um yeah, that matters, I guess it's kinda like being up a game and a half, I would say, if you're yeah. two up in the lost column.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Like right now, if the I mean if the playoffs started today, it's pretty much perfect standings for the Raptors, right? Like you would have the Hornets and then you'd have the Pacers and that's or Pacers or brooklyn nets and that's like well that's amazing for the raptors and yeah it gets i mean i mean it only puts one of the behemoths right in your way and i would love to see a first round series of the of the celtics and 76ers for sure (laughs) and
0: and, you know i would just want to say something too last season i remember there was a lot of talk on twitter and facebook and every other kind of way fan interaction that i saw that well, no, we should want to play LeBron. We're not scared of anyone. And I said that's stupid. You should yep. want to face the easiest team no matter what. So please, after we learned from last year, don't give me the we should want to face the hard teams. I want to face the easiest teams as possible. And yep. I am all about advancing. I don't care who it's against.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I think I think I I think it's the the broken fan mentality. Of like we need to prove ourselves, right? But 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 go back. But go back to what Masai Ujiri said at the beginning of the season, right? Have faith and trust in yourself, right? You don't think the. The, the Bucks are looking at the standings and like, man, we'd have to face one of those two in the second rounds. Of course they're saying that, right? Like they don't want to they don't want to do it as much as anybody, but that's because the Bucks have confidence in themselves and confidence as a as a fan base. So I mean, yeah, the easier road is always gonna be easier and I mean, hey, if you're if if you're a fan and your number one goal is to keep Kawhi around, right? Like making the Eastern Conference Finals is a hell of a lot better than making the Eastern Conference semifinals, right?
0: Right, and it's also not only, you know, do you for sure make the Eastern Conference Finals or, I I mean, no disrespect to Indiana, it would be really shocking to me if they, without Victor Oladipo, were able to pull that off. Um, It's just, you know, all about probabilities. We sometimes, as fans, kind of think the best team gets out of the conference, but really each matchup is kind of a probabilistic outcome where you have an X percent chance of winning this, so it just increases your chances to make the NBA Finals and at least guarantees you a place in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, barring a Toronto Raptors patented collapse.
1: Yeah. Which I mean I mean I mean really if you think about it, right? The 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 collapse team is gone right like there's yeah
0: there's, it's,
1: no it's Norman Paul's the
0: second longest tenure pl- person that's like
1: bananas <laughs> like, like, like to me I mean I mean I mean I mean, really I mean you know one thing I think I've learned this season is that Lowry was always the better player than DeRozan um, he, he he was never the problem I don't think you know in those collapse teams like I don't think he was ever the problem I still think it was a combination of coaching and, and lack of heart from DeRozan in many ways
0: yeah uh I'm with you. I, I wouldn't say lack of heart. I would just say a game that doesn't translate well to the playoffs, kind of with his stylistically, I think, is more of an issue than anything else. Um, it's kind of taken us a long time to get here, but I guess what are your thoughts on the Jeremy Lynn signing? I kind of want to get your overall yeah. opinion on that. We haven't talked about that yet on the pod, which is really weird to be only hitting it at the 30-minute mark.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think – you know, for me, I was really excited about it for from from many perspectives. First, that you know, he would pick Toronto um, when he would have many suitors around the NBA. I think it, again, to the to the fan that's worried, right? Like it's great to see a, a, you know a high prospect buyout player pick Toronto, and he could have picked anybody he wanted. And he picked Toronto in terms of in terms of a a team move. I I, I also think it's a pretty fantastic pickup for many reasons because you know lin is lin is a proven veteran who's not like a aging aging veteran and he 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 comes he, he comes in maybe not with the most playoff success but is a very smart disciplined basketball player who can shoot the three is great in the pick and roll and i think is and i think is a good like glue guy like he even like even in his first game there just seemed to like fit in like a glove as much as he could and and and, and run with things but i think what you're going to see over time is that is that is that he's an upgrade over Delon Wright and that he just understands the NBA game more, I just how to play it is a better defender and again, one thing that always gave me a heart attack was when Delon Wright had an open three pointer right because I never knew if it was going to clank hard or or be an absolute swish right. Delon Wright was very much a roller coaster player and 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 that's not good in the playoffs when every when every possession counts right. So getting a more steady, uh, you know, point guard to come in and, and, and do things is great. And, I mean, what a fantastic move knowing that Fred Van is going to be out for five weeks now, right? It just gives it, it I, mean, I mean, desperately needed, right?
0: Yeah, you know, he serves as kind of just a one-for-one replacement for DeLon Wright in many ways in my eyes. He's a little bit larger point guard, combo guard who's more comfortable with the ball. That allows Fred to play off the ball. It, it sounds like a perfect kind of match for Fred, a perfect kind of fill in for Delon Wright. We've already seen in one game he really pushed the tempo, which is something that as the Raptors have kind of gotten slower over the past couple of transactions, and you know, obviously these are trades you still make, but when you get Kawhi Leonard, who's more of a slow paced player, you get Marcus Saul who's a bit of a slow-paced player, and you, you it starts to add up, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to get a little bit of jolt of Jeremy Lin, who's very good in transition, who's good at pushing the tempo, and gives you something kind of in the second unit that DeLon Wright offered the Raptors. So to me, it's basically an upgrade on DeLon Wright. I would say they're pretty similar in terms of players defensively. Jeremy Ling doesn't have quite the physical tools that Delon Wright has. However, offensively, I think he's a little bit more savvy of a player and uh, just a little more finished. He's and you know he's had more NBA experience than Delon Wright has, and to me, it was just kind of a slight upgrade. However, when you consider you got the upgrade for basically free, it was a really big get for the Toronto Raptors.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I was very excited for them for them to get. To get that as well, and I mean, the the great thing is that this team might not even be a finished product yet, right? Because there's still potential buyout candidates that we could add to this team, and I think the Raptors are playing it smart by just not like, oh, we need to fill the roster up now because, I mean, we're under the CBA agree, uh, the CBA limit of players, but instead they've reached that limit and now they're kind of waiting to see what other teams do post all-star break and their and their plans to see who they can add or what or or what other pieces or you know or who they're going to buy out sorry and then who the Raptors could add that could potentially fit in Um, because I mean I'm glad for example that they didn't get Marquise Morris I think that that might not have been the best I mean I mean I mean as a player yes but as a personality maybe not so much
0: yeah you know he's someone who I I would worry if he wasn't receiving consistent play at time. You know, throughout the season. And I don't. At this point, I think the Raptors are kind of done with their big acquisitions. I could be wrong. However, I just don't see a ton of playing time to go around. And if you're a player, obviously the things that you value the most are contention and playing time. And if I'm someone who has, you know, real real wanting to play in the postseason, I would go play for a team like the Bucks or 76ers that isn't quite as deep as the toronto raptors are so in my mind the raptors are largely done but i think you're right there's no reason to rush to fill the roster spot when you can kind of just hang out see if anything kind of more appealing opens up and if not then you just move on and sign whoever whatever end of the bench guy that you want to fill with that final roster spot
1: you know you know with you you know with your explanation there of like well you know they're probably done with their pretty big acquisitions can I throw out that if I don't know? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a distraction, but if the Hawks also bought out Vince, would you bring him back? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah, I, I oh, think
0: yeah, that. He's someone who doesn't have playoff experience, but he has plenty of NBA experience, and mm-hmm. that would be a great, you know. To me, I don't worry about the distraction that much. To I think those things are kind of often overstated, and it's not like. You know, Kyle Lowry as he's pulling up for three is going to be thinking about Vince Carter. It's <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And if anything, it's probably they're going to have to answer some questions. Does it really matter if they're ask, an, answering questions about Vince Carter or anything else? I, if anything, it might be a nice distraction if we're talking compared to the kind of Kawhi Leonard story and everything like that.
1: Um, I think it gets. I think it gets. You know Kawhi to to the playoffs without having to do much more media attention or have much media attention on him, if anything, right? Sure, and, yeah, it, right. Like it, like and 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 you know for for me, someone who grew up in that Vince Carter era and was a huge fan, like oh, oh, I'd love it, I love it, I, I just, and I mean and I mean from a team perspective too, I just think he'd be like a nice like. You know, glue guy, like somebody who would just like, you know, be 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 there for the team and just and and just be bought in for the season and, and, and it would be great, right? And when we win the championship then he can retire as a Toronto Raptor winning a championship. Full circle. Sure, yeah. I
0: my I don't think that the Hawks are gonna buy him out personally. No, me neither. Me neither. Um and if he does come to the Raptors, I wouldn't expect him to get playing time. However you're right, it would be a nice story and I I would personally before Vince Carter returning
1: to the Toronto but Raptors. What, Go ahead. But but if if you could actually add a piece, not like a sentimental piece, but like an actual piece, what would you want to add? Just another 3 and D guy?
0: Yeah, I, Yeah, to me, this team is... I don't want to spend any more time integrating players that need the ball and things like that. If I have any wish of a type of player I want, I want a really kind of minimal work to kind of substitute in in just a three-point shooter who can play a little defense would be the ideal addition in my mind
1: yeah yeah I think so too like just as a just as another insurance piece like again another savvy veteran who can just come in and play a few minutes of defense just to get you to the next you know to the to the next halfway point of the quarter or to or, or or through a um, or through a, a player of battle trouble on your team I think it is exactly the other piece of thinking. Because they're at 14 now, I believe, right? They're at 14 players.
0: Yeah, yeah. To, to be honest, I could see Lorenzo Brown returning. They released Lorenzo Brown rather than trading to him a team to release him. So that opens up the door for a possible return. That would be my guess. Wow, Lorenzo well, so Brown. T- and, you know, wow. I'm happy for him. I like Lorenzo Brown. He plays extremely hard. This person's mm-hmm. probably not going to get in anyways. So I would be pro-Lorenzo Brown returning to the Raptors. Matt, (laughs) as we kind of wind down here for the final stretch, and I like how All-Star Game isn't at the halfway point but is instead at kind of the three-quarters point, it serves as a natural time to kind of gather ourselves and prepare for the home stretch. What are you looking for from the Raptors for the final 23 games?
1: What I'm looking for is... um just being locked in. You know, I think um, I think it was Steph Curry who had a great quote saying that, you know, it, 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 it might have been a week ago, a week and a half ago, where he said, like, now is the time for us to start getting locked in and start thinking about the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I would just say, um, from the team the rest of the way, I think it's important to integrate Marc Gasol into the team first and foremost. Seeing him kind of play minutes both with the starters and with the bench, if I'm Nick Nurse in many ways i'm kind of you know you always want to win games that you're playing but i also would be focused in on playing lineups that i expect to play in the postseason as much as possible in order to kind of work that chemistry and work that angle throughout the regular season um matt i think that wraps us up on raptors talk uh, last thing we're going to go through another matt teach mike
1: <laughs> canada
0: My favorite thing. And we are both off today. I am off for what in the United States is known as President's Day. Yes. So uh, kind of a merge of, I think from what I understand, Abraham Lincoln had a day, George Washington had a day. They mixed those two together to make it President's
1: Day. (laughs) So Family Day is actually not like a completely Canadian stat holiday. Um, uh, It's a... It's a day that um, many different provinces have off: uh, British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, PEI, and Saskatchewan. Um, it's always on the third Monday of February, just like uh, just like President's Day there. And um, you know, it, it, it's actually our newest um, stat holiday as well. It uh, it, it only started in two thousand eight in Ontario, um, and uh, and actually it's a, it's an interesting day as well because in the different provinces. It actually um, – it's actually called different things. So like for example um, in uh, in the Yukon, which is one of our territories, uh, which I don't know if you ever heard of the Yukon before, but that's one of our 13 provinces and territories. Yeah, it's where I am. Um, it's right actually right called school. like Yukon. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's called, it's like, it's like, it's called Yukon heritage day there in Alberta. It's also called heritage day apparently. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's a, you know, it, you know, it's necessary. We, we, we don't have a holiday in every single month, but we're getting there. And, um, and, uh, you know, um, Mike, you might not know this either, but a lot of our like social, um, you know, like, like, like a lot of social services are actually observed by our, um, provincial governments and not our federal government in many ways so um this one was introduced in 2007 um uh originally being called a civic holiday um and then they decided to call it family day as a day to represent with your families i don't know how many people actually uh like get together with their families and kind of have a day but my family certainly does and um and uh and we like it because as you know mike being in a cold part of the united states um, we, uh, we, we need, a we need a break to get through these dog days of February because they can be a little draining on people, especially when the sun goes down easily and, and, and it's, and it's cold. And like, you're like me having to fight through the ice to try to, so that people don't slip and fall. You need a day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I, yep. I'm all for winter holidays as a way to just break up the misery. It is a northern winter.
1: We uh, uh, yeah, and, and you know, Mike. One other final story is that you know we were so we were so down that we actually visited your fine country. I visited your fine country uh, on Saturday, which was yesterday, uh, two days ago for, from us, and uh, took a little trip to good old Buffalo, New York, <laughs> and, and uh, saw all the great things that Buffalo had to offer. So <laughs> I can't imagine that much. Uh, no 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 but you know southern ontarians know right like buffalo is is like is like like the easiest place to get to right and the most premier place to go and in and around niagara falls there so that's what we got that's what we got
0: (laughs) sounds good matt uh (laughs) thank you for this wonderful history lesson no problem
1: no problem family day family day happy family day and president's day to all everybody listening